0: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Dr. Michael Yusuf introducing this episode of Leading the Way called Loyalty in Friendship. Loyalty in
1: eternal friendships causes a friend to be there when he or she has every reason not to be there eternal friendships causes the friend to be there when no one else can be there that is loyalty in eternal friendships Proverbs 17:17 said it best a friend loves all the time and a brother is born for adversity
0: thanks for joining dr michael youssef for leading the way Today, a powerful biblical challenge from the exciting pages of Ruth to help you understand and develop eternal friendships. I'll learn more about leading the way and how you can get involved by reaching the nations with the gospel with Dr. Michael Youssef when you call 1-300-133-589 or at ltw.org. I'll give more information on that later. Right now, here's Dr. Michael Youssef.
1: I thought of a story that about two friends who were literally inseparable. They did everything together. And then World War I beckoned. And so they enlisted together. They trained together. And then they were shipped overseas together. And then they were fighting in the European theater side by side together. And on one particular day, as the battle was heating and there was a, a withering firepower, one of the friends was asked to go further from the trenches. But the rest of them can see how he was wounded, and was, it looked like so serious, a fatal wound. And the friend who was in the trenches immediately wanted to jump and go to help him until the sergeant yanked him back, and he said to him, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You're going to get yourself killed. You can't do that. He's already dead. When the sergeant turned his back, a few minutes later, the friend ran toward his friend, who was now dying. And a few minutes later, the man who ran to rescue his friend was himself wounded and fatally. But he came back to the trenches carrying his dead friend on his shoulder. And the sergeant was between anger and deeply moved by such incredible friendship. Looked at the man in the trenches. He said, he's dead and you are dying. It just was not worth it. And with his last breath, the friend said, oh, yes, it was, Sarge. Yes, it was. Because when I got there, the last words he said, I knew you would come, Jim. I knew you would come. And he died. It was worth it. Loyalty in eternal friendships causes a friend to be there when he or she has every reason not to be there. Loyalty in eternal friendships causes a friend to be there when it is extremely costly to be there. Eternal friendships causes the friend to be there when no one else can be there. One of the great stories that reveals this rich dividends that comes as a result of loyalty in eternal friendship is found in the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. Let me tell you the story first before I go to the text. The story is simply this. Way after Joshua died, Israel fell on a very hard time. Hard time of their own making. And the reason they were going through a hard time that was of their own making is because they were doing exactly what God told them in the wilderness not to do. God said, the temptation for you when you get into the promised land is that you're going to trust in the gods of the fertility. You're going to trust in the foreign gods. You're going to trust in idols. You're going to turn your heart away from me. Be careful not to do that. And that's exactly what they did. And so, during the time of the judges, they went through this dark period in their life. In fact, some historians consider it to be one of the darkest times in the history of Israel. The Bible said everybody was doing what is right in their own eye. It was time of upheaval. It was time of moral failure. It was a time of severe testing. It was a time of temptation. It was a time of being enticed by the surrounding corrupt culture. It was a time of being obsessed with finding the secrets for prosperity. It was a time for looking to Baal and the fertility gods for blessings instead of Yahweh. It was a time when God's people found it easier to conform to the current of culture Than to be obedient to Yahweh. That's how it was. It was a terrible time. And in the middle of this oblivion to the power and the blessing of God that has blessed them for years and years and years, took them out of the slavery of Egypt, parted the Red Sea, provided for them supernaturally and miraculously. In that time of oblivion to the blessings of God of the past, catastrophe struck, famine hit the land. And so a man by the name of Elimelech, he had a wife by the name of Naomi, and he had two sons by the name of Mahlon and Kilion. So that family of four moved into the land of Moab, south of Bethlehem. They were living in Bethlehem of Judea, where Jesus was born. And that trip was merely 40 miles in distance. But beloved, listen to me, it was a million miles away morally. It was a million miles away spiritually. It may only be 50 miles from Jerusalem, but they have gone as far as they could. And this good family left the promised land and went to the land of the enemy. This family went from the land of Jehovah to the land of Baal. They went from the land of fellowshipping with the believers to the land of fellowshipping with pagans. In fact, they went to Moab to escape death. They went to escape famine because they thought this is the way to get out there, at least temporarily, in order to survive. But three of the four died in Moab. Elimalek family settled in the land of Moab. The two boys married two local girls, Baal worshippers. And the short stay to escape the famine turned into ten years. Now, beloved, I want you to listen to me very carefully. I want you to hear me right. Be careful. In fact, always be careful. When you think that you can handle temptation, without falling into the temptation. Always be careful when you think that you can be in a relationship with a non-believer only temporarily. These temptations have a way of turning into permanent stay. And there is a curse, not a blessing. During that time, the father and the two boys died. They had no children. And so in fact none of them could have imagined in their wildest imagination when they left Bethlehem to go to Moab none of them would have imagined that such a tragedy would have occurred when they made that 50 mile trek from Bethlehem did not realize that the utopia is going to turn into agony of soul that the dream has turned into a hellish nightmare Uh, that the desire for prosperity turned into grinding poverty. But here's the problem back then. You got three widows. And back then, a widow who does not have a male relative to support her was worse than a destitute. That's how it was. And so Naomi looks at her two daughters-in-law and says... You go back to your gods, you go back to your country, you go back to your families, because now I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. And I'm hoping against hope that my God shall provide a male relative who can provide for me. In her bitter experience, Naomi wanted to be alone. Sometimes when we experience bitterness in life, we feel we want to be alone. We don't want to talk to anybody. And yet that's the wrong time to be alone. In her generosity, though, she wanted her daughters-in-law to go back and experience some happiness in life, have maybe remarry and have children, experience some sort of joy after this sorrow. One girl, Orpah, said, okay, if that's what you want me to do, I'll go back. And she left. But the other daughter in law by the name of Ruth, and remember this again, Ruth was a Gentile, a pagan, idol worshiper, but the Bible names the book after her. Ruth would not go back. Ruth was a loyal friend. She was loyal to her mother-in-law. She was willing to cast her lot with Naomi. You know, many preachers Use this text as a sermon uh, for weddings. Uh, while it's wonderful because it uh, connotes the loyalty and the commitment that should be in a marriage, but the principle is even greater than that. Although marriage, of course, is a supreme place where commitment and loyalty should be exercised, but in all eternal friendships, loyalty is what God is looking for. Listen carefully. I have learned that loyalty for the Lord Jesus Christ and loyalty to believers, to friends and eternal friendships, can develop. And I have no doubt in this incident here in the book of Ruth, I have no doubt in my mind that it was Naomi's faith, that it was Naomi's testimony, that Naomi's trust in her God, that it was Naomi's God that exhibited in her life, that was manifested in her life, was the thing that attracted Ruth to her mother-in-law. I want you to hear me right, please. Because such loyalty is hard to comprehend in our fickle culture. Such loyalty is probably laughed at by some. Such loyalty is probably condemned by others. Some people probably think it's foolishness. Others think it's impractical. Others probably thought it's outmoded. Such loyalty, which is indispensable in a true eternal friendship, is what God exhibited with us. In fact, today's loyalty can only be described as tempering its duration. Limited in its benefits and the benefits are received from the friendship. It's an exercise only when it proves to be beneficial and helpful. But loyalty in eternal friendships walks with the friend down the road, even if the streetlights are not let. It stays with the friend when everybody else leaves, loves the friend when everybody else does not, risks It's own reputation when everybody else gives not a whit. And Ruth said, listen to her words. Ruth said, I don't care where you go. I don't care where you live. I don't care what kind of future you're going to have. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to face them with you. There's no doubt in my mind that somehow, deep down in Ruth's heart, said to Naomi, "You saw Naomi trusting in Jehovah God. Though they were far away from the promised land, though they were far away from Yahweh, they were far away from Jerusalem, yet she saw her again and again in the midst of her agony, in the midst of her valley, trusting in the living God. She saw Naomi going through bitter experiences, but she herself never became bitter. She saw Naomi's faith to be in her mighty God. And she said to herself, I want that God. I want that God to be my God. I want that God to be my God. I want to worship Him. I want the God who said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's confident faith. Beloved, listen to me. Confident faith is always, always anchored in the God of heaven. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. And God rewards that faith in abundance. He really does. We're going to see that in a minute. God bless Ruth out of her socks. I mean, he just opened the windows of heaven. I'm going to show you in a minute. And I was thinking about the difference between confident faith and wishful thinking. Let me illustrate to you. I read the story many years ago about a woman who was on a cruise ship. And uh, throughout this cruise ship, she would go and look and gazes at the face of Of one man throughout the trip. Dinner time, she'll find a place where she can be looking directly at that man. On the bridge, she would look at that man all the time. Well, after a few days of this, she began to freak this man out. (laughs) I mean, imagine, oh, yes, everywhere he goes, this woman looking at him. Everywhere he goes, she's looking at him. And finally, he picked up the courage and went to her and said, No, ma'am. Do I know you from somewhere? She said, oh, no, 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 no. I don't know you. You don't know me. But you just remind me of my third husband. (laughs) He said, well, that's nice. How many husbands have you had? She said, two. (laughs) Now, that's called wishful thinking. Not anchored in faith. But listen. Let me tell you about the rich dividends. Dividends of loyalty in a confident faith. You see, when Naomi and Ruth headed back to Bethlehem, Ruth, that loyal friend, went immediately to work. It was worse, way below minimum wage. She wanted to support herself and her mother-in-law but instead of doing the job as below minimum wage, she ended up having lunch with the CEO in the executive suite. Isn't that great? But not only that, that CEO, that wealthy man, turned out to be her kinsman redeemer. You say, what's that? Well, in the Old Testament law, particularly Leviticus 25, the Bible said that when a, a man dies, the nearest male relative can marry and provide an heir, as well as provide for that widow. And so, this CEO, this man, Bowers, turned out to be her kinsman redeemer, her provider. Bowers was not only a godly man, Bowers was not only a good man and a wonderful man, but it did not hurt the situation to be rich. And so he ends up marrying Ruth. You say, wow, isn't that great? No, 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 that's not it. This hasn't begun yet. The dividends haven't even begun to materialize yet. That is not all the dividends that Ruth received for her loyalty to her friend. And her friendship, and her eternal friendship. She was conceived, and she brought a boy into the world, and she named him Obed. When Obed grew up, he was married and had a boy, and he named him Jesse. And when Jesse grew up, he had a bunch of boys, and the youngest of them was named David. But that's not all. That's not the end of the road here. Although David was a king of Israel, and his great-grandmother was a Gentile woman, but God honored her, regardless of her race, regardless of her background, She honored God, and God honored her. She trusted God, and God trusted her, not only to be the great-grandmother of King David of Israel, but to be through whom the physical descendants, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, comes. A Gentile woman. Give me a break. Our God is a God of grace. Our God is a God of mercy. Our God is an honorable God. Ruth, the woman from whom become the physical descendants of David and the Messiah, The son of David. My friend, let me tell you something. I don't care what's practical and pragmatic and effective and convenient. Don't tell me what works. Show me loyalty and I'll show you dividends paid sooner or later. It may take time, but it will pay. Because it's going to be paid by God himself. Indeed, Boaz himself became a type of Christ in the Bible. He became a type of Christ. Who is our kinsman redeemer. Let me tell you about our kinsman redeemer. Do you want to hear about him? Let me tell you about our kinsman redeemer. You see, our kinsman redeemer found us in the fields of sin. Our kinsman redeemer found us in the fields of the misery of guilt. Our kinsman redeemer found us bound in chain of sin. And when nobody else would redeem, he redeemed us. When nobody else would come forward, he did. Our kinsman, Redeemer, brings to us forgiveness of our sins. Our kinsman, Redeemer, is the one who blesses us richly. Our kinsman, Redeemer, is the one who never leaves us nor forsakes us. Our kinsman, Redeemer, is the one who provides for all of our needs. Our kinsman, Redeemer, is the one who has us in the very hollows of His hands. Our kinsman Redeemer is the one who comforts us with all comfort. Our kinsman Redeemer is the one who is our tower of strength in times of trouble. Our kinsman Redeemer is the one who is our fortress from our enemies. Our kinsman Redeemer is the one whose everlasting arms are underneath us. Our kinsman Redeemer is the one who rides the clouds for our help. That's our kinsman Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Give God praise. The question is, for you and for me, how about our loyalty to Him? What about our loyalty in eternal friendship? So about our loyalty to the bride of Christ, the church. What about that loyalty? We know He blesses and gives generous dividends for loyalty and friendship. And I want to tell you something. There is nothing will make an unbeliever sit up and take notice than seeing loyalty. You see, Jesus said, that's how they're going to know that you're my disciples. How? By going around and screaming and hollering. No, 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 no. He said, by having love one for another. That's how they're going to know it.
0: Thanks for joining Dr. Michael Yusuf for Leading the Way. If you'd like to learn more about what it means to live a life in Christ, you're invited to speak with one of our pastoral team members. Start the conversation and scroll through lots of helpful FAQs on spiritual life and living when you visit ltw.org Jesus. Vision 2025, our strategic campaign to see one million souls come to Christ by 2025. Year one and two focused on building infrastructure and expanding Leading the Way's reach into new areas with new content and new technologies. Since the launch of Vision 2025, Leading the Way has added new television outlets in key areas around the country. Currently underway is a national television campaign, Finding True Peace. These are spots airing on the top ten cable networks, encouraging viewers to seek Jesus as the Muslim population continues to grow within the United States. Leading the way is actively evangelizing this people group. Plans are to target geographic areas with high-density populations of Arabic-speaking Muslims. Radio, TV, online, smartphone apps, partner churches and personnel are being utilized to impact this area with more to come. Following a study of our effectiveness in the region, leading the way hired nine new on-the-ground field representatives, each perfectly suited to reach Muslims for Christ. The Kingdom Sat stepped up its live programming content, expanded into Australia and New Zealand, launched a new global smartphone app, Apple TV app and so much more. Working with partners, we were able to distribute navigators into the nation of Ethiopia. This powerful pocket missionary is providing the gospel and equipping new believers for effective ministry in their home countries. With a burden to reach the next generation for Christ. Leading the Way launched Candid Conversations with Jonathan Yusuf, targeting 20 and 30 year olds, addressing the most controversial topics of our times. Vision 2025. Pressing toward the mark. Learn more about the worldwide impact of leading the way when you call 1-300-133-589. one 133 589 You can also look around the interactive website to learn how Dr. Youssef and teams are impacting lives across six continents at ltw.org. LTW.org. By the way, if you found yourself unable to attend in person at your home church, consider joining Dr. Yusuf for Leading the Way live at Apostles on most Sunday mornings at just past 10:30 Eastern Time. Start by going to ltw.org and you'll find a link to join Dr. Yusuf and the congregation of his church, the Church of the Apostles in Atlanta as they gather together in worship. In fact, you may not realize it, but Christian musician Mac Powell of Third Day is the artist in residence at the church and often leads the powerful worship time. So join Dr. Yusuf as he passionately proclaims uncompromising truth on Leading the Way live at Apostles. This program is provided by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth. I
1: need a miracle